to Season 2 of the Weathered Man Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weathered Man. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. Today, we begin an amazing multi-part journey with a great friend of mine. He is someone that is true to the Word of God and committed to the throne of God. The last two episodes, we began a journey on discussing the topic of healing in a fresh way. And fresh? Fresh it was. And today, we continue the journey with Pastor Andrew Thurber concerning personal and congregational healing. I hope you enjoy listening to this testimony as much as I have. Well, just as promised and just as I uh, introduced, this is my brother, my, my good close friend. I'm glad to have you here with me, Andrew, Pastor Andrew Thurber from Passionate Life Church in, in, in Colorado. We all have as preachers, you all know I, 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 I preach, I, every preacher likes to say all over, but I preach a lot of places throughout, throughout the year, and I was a pastor for, for many years. We all have this perception of what we look like and what we sound like from stage, and then when we go back and look at it, at least for me in my circumstances, it never sounded as good or looked as good as what I thought. And then I met this man. I went and sat with him or sat and and went to church with my parents. He is the pastor of my parents, which if you know my parents, they absolutely need somebody amazing. And I watched him from stage and I went, that's how I always thought I looked and sounded. And it was amazing. So in a way I lived through him because I can at least imagine myself sounding and looking like him from stage, but he is a man that I have learned throughout the last year, especially who he is on stage is who he is in real life. He is even a better man. He is more wise. He is, he is so many more things when um, the cameras are not on. So without further ado, my close friend, pastor Andrew Thurber, it's good to have you here, brother. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Chad, for uh, doting on me. I do not have a beard or a man bun, so you are too up on me. Uh, I can't grow a beard anymore. It, I, you know, it ministry, I've been in ministry too long, and so it's, it's turned white. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> uh, you know, you know as well as I do, you got to rock what God gives you for the time he gives yeah, that's you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you on where we're doing this series or this season within the podcast on healing. And it's, it's based off of the spoken word called perfection that I, I wrote concerning my struggles on healing concerning his hip. And if you have any questions on what that is, you're listening for the first time you've signed on because you follow pastor Andrew in areas that you don't follow me on. I I strongly suggest you go back and listen to the first episode of this season called perfection It's where I actually give the spoken word and I take people through, take you through my dark times when after a diagnosis that just floored me and my wife and, and me questioning God in certain areas, but also allowing God to take his light through his Holy Spirit and, and, uh, and bring me out on the other side, trusting him and having a greater faith, regardless of the outcome. Pastor Andrew, you're one of the ones I've talked through about this a lot. You Mm -hmm. have, you have heard my, my fears, my whining, my, my struggles. And one of the things that really helped me along the way wasn't necessarily your advice, but was your openness to tell me your story. And so I would love for you to just open up and give me a little bit, give, give my listeners, my followers, uh, an opportunity to 
um, get to know you a little bit the way I have and uh, give us a part of your testimony growing up. Who are you? Where are you from? How did you get to the place of being in Denver, being a pastor of an amazing growing church? Sure. My story, I know it relates to a lot of different people who grew up in the church, very hell and brimstone type teaching, which in my opinion, we've, we've kind of, we've gone the other way. Well, many of us in my generation grew up hearing that every single week. I never had heard a, a message on grace, not one time. And so I didn't even know what grace wow. was. And so uh, I just grew up in this, you know, it, it was a hard charismatic uh, church where you got the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you also got this really hard message. And, and so there was an incident that happened in my dad's church and uh, I'm, I'm fifth generation pastor. My dad's small country church split and, and uh, they said some mean things to my dad and uh, I was 14 years old. And so I just decided, you know, if this is Christianity, if this is what church is, you know, God's cool. You know, I like God, but I, I don't like the church. The, 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 right. This is Christians are just they're terrible people. And, and so I started drinking at 14, started doing drugs at 15. And it just uh, continued for about seven years of getting more and more tense, uh, you know, and, and it really started with the brokenness and I really hated my life. I, I just, mm. th that's what it boiled down to. I hated my life. I was bitter. And so I just masked it with alcohol and, and drugs and the pleasures of this life, partying. And I just went to one thing, to the next, to the next, to the next. And what was at the core of my issue was that I was, I hated myself. I, I didn't like myself. I didn't, I, I hated that I didn't have a future and, and, and I was just bitter. And before God could do anything in my life, that part needed to be uh, healed. So I uh, got into drugs even more, started living with my girlfriend, moved a drug dealer into the house. So, so drugs would even be more accessible. Uh -huh. You know, lost my job. I had a job working for the county. Tells you how well they they interview people. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, working for the county, doing drugs, drinking every day, and so I finally got lost that job. And so I started um, talking to a couple drug dealers, uh, moving uh, drugs up from Miami and storing automatic weapons I was going to start selling automatic weapons and drugs so i had it all set up i, I was going to use my last paycheck to buy uh, a brick of marijuana uh, we had parties at our house at our apartment all the time uh waiting for the phone call and the phone call never came i was supposed to meet these guys behind some gas station uh to to, to make the you know the exchange and they never showed up and the next day i heard that they actually got arrested um, on the way to this, this drop point. And so wow. that's why they never called me. And so even in my darkest moment, I knew in that moment, you know, as a church kid that God wasn't, there were certain things that God wasn't going to let me go past. Hmm. And I just knew that it was God, that he was protecting me, that his grace was on me. Of course, that didn't stop me from continuing to do doing drugs. And it was really, a, it, it, I was partying with some friends and it was three o'clock in the morning. I don't know how many drugs that I had done that night. Just really anything that I could get my hands on, I did. And I'm standing over this balcony by myself. Uh, I'm looking at this road in this apartment complex that just goes into the woods and it's just darkness. And I'm just looking at this 
you know, at this road and that goes into darkness and the Lord spoke to me. That's one of the things that I, I know that I'm privileged with because of my inheritance. I've always been able to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I, I encourage our congregation. It's one of the greatest gifts that I can ever teach is to teach you and discern for yourself the voice of God. The Lord spoke to me and he said, this is the road you're on. And this is where it leads to deeper darkness. That moment with the next day looking for dimes, nickels and pennies to buy a 29 cent hamburger at McDonald's. I was like, okay, there's a better way to live than this. I called or my dad called me 9-11 happened. My dad called me and he just said, I know you're in trouble. What what is it going to take to get you to come home? And uh, so I gave him a number because I was, you know, I wasn't paying any of my bills or anything. And, and so in that moment, I went home and uh, my girlfriend, who uh, is now my wife at this point, she I said, you got to go to Jacksonville. I'm going to go to Phoenix, Arizona. And, and instead of going to rehab, we'll just go to our parents' house. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, in some circumstances, absolutely. No, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, uh, we got clean. And my plan was I'm just going to get clean and then go back to it, you know, go back to, to, to partying and living my life. And my girlfriend, my wife now called me up a couple months into it. And she's just like, I can't do this. And I'm thinking she's breaking up with me. And she's like, I, I can't do this anymore. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? And I'm thinking, you know, uh, I don't want to be with you because you're a loser. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what I'm thinking is coming next. And she says, I need Jesus. And it, and it was just the most pure uh, request of we've been to the bottom when you hit rock bottom and there's nowhere else to turn. Uh, Jesus is always there with his, with his hands, you know, out and ready to receive us. And, and so I said, okay. And so we, uh, we said the Lord's prayer together. Of course, she's a church kid too. And, and, um, she literally had this supernatural experience where Jesus, was wrapping his arms around her and she's weeping on the floor and she just has this amazing moment in her life. And she's a church kid. And she's like, for the first time in my life, it wasn't about my parents' salvation. It wasn't about them. It was about me and making the decision for myself. And, and she was 19 years old at the time. And for me that it didn't, because I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Uh, Jesus didn't hug me. Okay. He didn't, he didn't give me a hug. Yeah. And so uh, the ne- I've seen, I've, I've seen Dawn. She's just like Tanya. If yeah. I was Jesus, I'd be hugging Tanya over me too. Right. <laughs> and so the next day I do only what I, you know, as a church kid does, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the Psalms and um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to fast and pray and, and see if God wants to talk to me. And of course, nothing happens that day. Right. Like I'm just trying to read through the Psalms and, you know, nothing's sticking. It, it, it's just blah. And I'm just getting frustrated and it, it's late at night. And I walk outside and I lay on this old lay ben- uh, weight bench in- behind my parents' house. And I'm just looking up into the stars. They live in Arizona. So it's really beautiful at night. And just looking up into the stars and I'm just like, God, I need to know that you still love me. Wow. Because I'm broken and I'm going to continue to stay broken. 
if I don't have an experience with you, if I don't know that you love me and have a purpose and a plan for my life, then I'm just going to go back to drugs and alcohol and partying because at least I can feel something. At least I can feel something in that lifestyle. After I said that, I just heard the voice of the Lord so clearly. And he said, Andrew, if you remain faithful to me, and this, this is actually the most important part of this thing that he says to me, is if you remain faithful to me, and I think people like to skip over it and go to the second part that God spoke to me. And they just kind of skip over that first part of, he said, Andrew, if you remain faithful to me, I will bless you beyond your imagination. And I just felt the spirit of God. And I just broke in that moment. And I just began to weep and cry. And that was really the beginning of my healing was hearing God say, I, essentially, I still love you. I still have a plan for you. And it's beyond what you could ever hope or dream. But you have to be faithful. Mm. And, and for me, I'm, I'm an all in guy. And God knows that about me. I love the more that you draw close to God you just get to know him and how much he knows you and he knows that I'm an all in guy. And so, you know, at this time, I'm not, a, I'm not a great prize, Chad. I'm not great. You know, I, I've got nothing. I have no job. I have no money. Um, you know, I, I'm a former drug addict. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I, I basically essentially push all of my chips in, which is like a half a chip. It's like a, it's, it's like a lace chip. You know what I mean? It's not even worth anything. You've bitten <laughs> off half of it. Right. And God said, that's enough. That's all I need. I, I just need all of you. The next thing that he spoke to me is you need to make it right with that girl. The next thing. Okay. It wasn't wow. a couple months later that God was dealing with me with my sexual impurity. No, it was immediately the next thing that he says, you need to make it right with my daughter. And I said, okay, God. And I had no money and, and bought a ring on a credit card and, and stuff that it would not, okay, tell people to do, but it was God speaking to me, telling right. me, well, you need to do this. And so uh, that, that Thanksgiving uh, proposed to her and we got married a couple months later and we're still together today. You know, it's almost 19 yeah. years. We've been, yeah. we've, we've been together 18 years. We've been married. And, and so she's an all in person too that was the beginning of her healing too. And, and she's got a great healing story, not just physically, she's got a great physically, you know, story for her back, but also spiritually and mentally God's, uh, you know, it, it, healing is a journey, right? We're, we're all, we're all broken. We're all, we're all just broken, fragile people. And, and God's always got us in this, this process of, of healing us mentally, physically, and spiritually. And really the most important thing for God is, is our spiritual journey with him uh, stays whole. And, and, and that's for me. And so, you know, after that, you know, I, I remember uh, Don asking me our first year of marriage, just because she knew my heritage, you know, my grandfather uh, pastored the same church for some 40 some years. Um, and, you know, my dad's a pastor, my uncle's a pastor. Uh, great uncle. I mean, I just did a lot of lineage. She asked me, so you think you'll ever be a pastor? And, you know, I was newly saved. Okay. And so I'm pretty sure I said, uh, I, I cursed her out. Okay. I just, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that happened. And, and I was just angry. I, it literally brought anger to me. And um, I'm like, I would never do that. Are you kidding me? And so 
God called us to move to Florida. We sold everything, moved to Florida. Long story short, we got into a good church that really changed the way we, we saw church and ministry. And, and God asked me to serve, and, and I finally served, started serving the church. And, and, and then my big growth moment was when we started leaving a life group. I now became accountable to a group of people. And we started a very uh, successful 20s and 30s singles ministry. And then we started something called Friday Night Fire, which started at our house, but quickly grew really, really fast. And it was, it was God showing me. We, we went to a big church and there was just this gap between salvation mm. and experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right. There was a group of people, young people, that were like, is this it? Like. I get saved and try to be good. And that's, that's it. I'm like, no, that's not in it. And so there was a need that Don and I were able to fill. And so we had a prayer night uh, on Friday night, every Friday night at our house. And we would just pray with people and, and teach people about the gifts of the Holy spirit. And, and that's actually the moment where God called me to, to, to be a teacher and, it was just, hey, I, he, he, there's some hungry people. Let me teach them about the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was some of the most purest moments of ministry of you look at the, the first church of Acts where they gathered together in homes hungry for the Holy Spirit, right? Miracles, power, you know what I mean? Just right. uh, experiencing uh, their prayer language. Um, and we had people like had this one guy just get out of jail. He was a drug dealer. He was professional uh, gambler in, in, with cards, poker, poker player with 45 people, uh, young people in our house that night, that Friday night. And so we had a five bedroom home at that time. And so we had leaders, we built leaders up and we separated everybody into, into rooms, you know, uh, guys and girls. And so you know, we had people in the living room, we had people in our bedroom, and we just had people everywhere because we wanted to have this intimate prayer time with these people because, you know, they, they were so hungry. And I just remember this, this former drug dealer, I mean, big time drug dealer, uh, professional gambler, just got out of jail. And I asked him a question. We were sitting in, in our guest bedroom and I, and I asked him a question. I said, do you, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he's just like, absolutely. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did not touch him. I literally said prayer over him. I said, God, fill him right now with the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, within seconds, he began to speak in his prayer language. And just the power of the Holy Spirit filled that room just so incredibly. And so that's kind of how we cut our teeth on ministry. Just this wow. really organic uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. Here, Here's a need. Let's fill it. And we did that Friday night fire. We, we ended up moving it to the church because it just grew so big. What's crazy is I couldn't believe people wanted to hear me talk, you know, on a Friday night and then pray for, for like an hour and a half and just pray and be in the presence of God. And so uh, we did that for about three years. We did our life group. Um, it grew to about 120, 20s and 30 singles on Tuesday nights. We did that for five years. And uh, that's really how we cut our, our teeth on ministry. And really, I was loving life. Don had a good job. I had a good job. We were serving in the church. We were comfortable. We had bought our forever home 10, minute, 10 minutes from the ocean. Um, we didn't have any kids. So we actually had money. It was great. And uh, <laughs> no kidding, huh? <laughs> 
was at the end of a 21 day fast and we were at a worship service and the Lord just spoke to me and he said, I, I want you to go in the back of this room. I want you to go in the back of this room. And, and they had about, there's about 1200 people in this, this, this auditorium. And I'm walking in the back of the room during this worship service and the Lord speaks to me and he says, I want you to take off your shoes and I want you to stand in the back row and I want you to worship me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> are you, what, what are you asking me to do right now? And this is one of like this, these churches that were serious about like security Ezekiel moments, like, right? They're, they're like serious about security. And so I'm like, Lord, someone's going to tackle me. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, he's like, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And so I took my shoes off, stood on the back row chair and um, oh the Lord, gosh. the Lord is just like, I want to, there's things that I'm going to ask you to do that don't make sense that are going to make you look foolish. And I want to see if you're willing to do it. And it's the pride thing, right? I, I right. Need the, there, there's a lot, the level of pride and, and it still happens today, right? He's, he's peeling away pride. And I just, I saw the Holy spirit literally saw the Holy spirit fall in that moment, like a, like a heat wave. Like if you would look at a road on a hot day that, that where you would see the heat waves coming up from it, I literally saw that. And the Lord said, now get on your face. And so I got on my face and the, the back of that room uh, during this worship service and the Lord began to speak to me. This is about seven years into my Christian walk with God. Right. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, leading groups and, and I'm serving and, you know, just really obedient to the Lord. And the Lord began to speak things into me that were still broken, that still hadn't been healed. And he said, you need to stop. You need to stop looking at yourself as an alcoholic and a drug addict. He goes, because when you, when you talk about those things, I don't know those things. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, when you talk about being an, you know, an alcoholic and a drug addict, I don't remember. The, I don't know those stories. He says, when you ask for forgiveness, it, it, it's washed away clean. And so, Andrew, I'm trying to get you to see the new you that I've created. And you keep going back to the old you. You know, there's a line between talking about something that's a testimony and wishing you could go back to some of that stuff. Or for me, it was. I had screwed up my life so much. I had sinned so much in my life that I literally thought that I broke my life to some degree and that God can never fully use me the way that he created to use me. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like mm, I just, that's good. I just, yeah. I just really broke good. myself too much. Right. And I was too broken and I screwed up too much and God can use me, but not in his fullness because I was, I was too stained. I was too, yeah. Did you have Sinful. a, did you have a part, you know, how some people relish the brokenness, right? They think it's the brokenness that gives them their voice. And sure. so many times ministers will relish on how far they went into the darkness, thinking yeah. that that proves how great God is. You made a statement earlier that the journey healing is a journey. And something that I've said a lot on this podcast, I've said a lot as I was a pastor is something I learned from an amazing mentor of mine is that healing is not an event. It's a process. Mm -hmm. And it's something that changed my world and my thinking. Like yeah. we, we think of healing and we are like, which healer are we going to go to next? Like, which right. Is there a conference here? Is there a revival? Where's the next tent revival? Where's the next thing? Or mm -hmm. where's the next pastor that has some 
talent, that maybe there's some anointing that is tied up in that talent. Everything about your testimony is that it was a process. It was a journey. And that healing, mm-hmm. God, God's love was instant, right? His grace was instant. But the healing process was tied to your journey as well. That seven years after the yeah. beginning, God mm-hmm. was still working on a process with you to heal you to there. Your testimony wasn't about your brokenness. It was about his, his destined purpose for you all along. Mm-hmm. That kind of what you're, where you're getting at and where you're going to. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, you know, after God spoke that to me, he said, Andrew, this is what I see. Mm-hmm. I see a husband. I see a father. I, I see, you know, a discipler. I, I see a great man of God. I see a leader. And then the last thing he said is I see a pastor. And I was like, what? I don't know about that. Right. And, you know, it just, it, you you sure? know, there was, yeah. Right. There was that healing moment where this is what God was. My father was telling me what he sees in me that I did not there. That, that's a big point of us becoming secure in who Jesus has called us to be. And, uh, you know, receiving that. And then the last thing he says, I called you a pastor and I've called you to uh, Denver, Colorado, where I want you to start a church. And so I got up from that moment. That wasn't a great moment for me. I mean, the first part was, but the last part wasn't because I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to start a church, never wanted right. to be a pastor. And so I didn't tell anybody for a year and it just was me and Jesus. And honestly, I felt like if I didn't tell anybody, then I wouldn't be accountable to anybody but I, it was always gnawing at my soul. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we were at a missions trip in, in Washington, D.C., doing some street ministry, uh, helping a, a friend go from one service to two services there in a movie theater. And uh, I was at his house. We were in his front room, just me and him and grabbing some pizza. And the Lord spoke to me. This has been a year. I haven't told anybody this. The Lord said, tell him. I was like, what? He's like, tell him right now what I told you a year ago. And I said, okay. And so his name was David. And I said, David, I got, I got to tell you something. And, and David's looking at me thinking, I'm going to confess some weird sin to him. You know what I mean? I'm sure he gets that. <laughs> and uh, being in Washington, D.C. And oh, gosh. Uh, I said, David, it's not bad. Okay, it's not bad. And he said, well, so what's up? And I said, God's called me to plant a church in, in Denver, Colorado. And he's like, wow, that's awesome. And so he pulled me aside and we talked for about 30 minutes, uh, you know, one-on-one. And this is how my, my mind thinks, because I had a very comfortable life. I liked my life. And I'm thinking, okay, um, what are some ways that I can be obedient to God and still not leave my comfortable life. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm, when I'm 55, okay, I'll start a mountain church in, in Colorado somewhere, you know, my retirement church. And then I can, you know, when I stand before Jesus, I'm like, I did that. I checked it. I, we got up and we were getting ready to walk out and he looks at me and he points his finger at me and he says, you've got three years to get there. And I was like, no oh, wow. way. literally he knew what I was thinking, you know, and God gave him that word that you don't have all the time in the world. Like I'm asking you to do this soon, right? Like there's a, there's a timetable because there's people there that, that need to hear uh, the gospel. And, and so Don and I, uh, the next day uh, was church and, and I pulled Don up into the movie theater and I said, listen, this is what God's been speaking to me for the last year. 
uh, I really got confirmation yesterday from David um, that we're supposed to move to Denver, Colorado to plant a church. Will you go with me? (laughs) 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 You're married and you're just like, I need you to, I need you to come with me. Right. Cause this isn't just my thing. You know, it's, it's her thing too. And like, I needed her to be an all in too. And she said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm all in. And so we prepared for three years financially, uh, physically and spiritually, uh, the, the one year before 365 days before we're to leave to Denver, we prayed an hour a day, every day together, specifically for Denver and for our church plant. We just wanted to, wow. to make sure that, you know, we were, we had a prayer covering before we, we went. And again, not to get into the weeds or any of the details, but um, it, it's just important to know. We, we tried to go through a church planning organization. We actually uh, didn't qualify for it. Uh, <laughs> some other stuff in the background, uh, um, you know, and so it, it's not, I would not, you know, I work with church planners today. I do not advise them to do it the way we did it. Um, we, we had $7,000. We had raised $7,000 in our church bank account. And uh, we just, we knew nothing about Colorado. We didn't know where God wanted us to be. We didn't know where we should live. And uh, I rented a house off of Craigslist. Oh my <laughs> it's God. Just, it's just stupid. It's all stupid. And, but we were just going, you know, we were just following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We parachuted in. We had no idea. Uh, our launch team consisted of four or five people, including me and Don. Uh, it, it was just dumb. It's just all a dumb way to do it. Um, except for the fact that it was, we were following the Holy spirit. And so we launched in 2013 in a movie theater in Englewood, Colorado. We, we quickly understood that, uh, Denver is like a, a spiritual third world country. That's what I call it. Um, 76% of people, uh, in Denver, affiliate with nothing and so they're in that category of the nuns where they just don't everything either nothing's cool or everything's cool i've talked to people who think it's awesome that i'm a pastor but they're just like i'm i'm good right and and so we've seen uh roughly around 1500 people in in the last eight years give their life to christ um here in in colorado and it's just been a it's been a great journey we moved into our building four years ago, which is just a supernatural story from God. And, and the whole thing is all God. Like I literally, it's not because of my leadership, you know, I'm not like this amazing, awesome leader. And, and you, you know, I'm not TD Jakes when I preach or anything like that. It's, it's God gets all the glory. And that's one of the things that he spoke to me uh, before we, we left uh, Jacksonville, Florida to move to Denver is that I want, I want the glory for this. And, and, uh, no man gets the glory. And, and he really has. I, I can't, uh, you know, when I tell guys, church planners, because they're like, man, how did you get a building? I'm like, the Holy Spirit. Like, you just <laughs> you just have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I talk to young guys all the time, young pastors who want to be the next Craig Rochelle or the next Steve Furtick. And, and you know, I, I sit across the room from, them, you know, the table from them. And I'm like, you are not them. Okay. And God doesn't want you to be them. He's, you know, he's got a voice that he's, he's called you to speak to a certain group of people, whether that's 25 people or 2,500 people, God has called you to do that. He's either called you to do it or not. 
and I get the grind of, of, you know, ministry. I get the grind of preaching every week. You know, I preached 41 out of 42 weeks this last year, which was really stupid. And God convicted me about it. But he also brought great people like you and your dad and, and uh, you know, some other friends. And I said, hey, we want to help you and, and we, we want to give you breaks and stuff. And so, you know, that that's just my heart of what I see today and where we're at, you know, with young church planners and stuff. And I know you said you talked a little bit about that, about the church. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how things go. As you were speaking, I looked up and I just, you know, sometimes it's fun to look up what the secular definition is of a word and just Google it and see what it says. Right. And the dictionary calls healing the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. And just listening to you talk about the journey and hearing your personal journey throughout this is so, it's so empowering to me and to uh, hopefully to everybody else that's listening. You did not look at God and say, God, if you heal my wounds, if you heal all my other issues, I'll mm -hmm. start walking. Sure. And God didn't say that to you. Like, Hey, no. Andrew, I'm going to heal everything. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal those hurts. I'm going to heal, heal those habits, you know, hurts, habits, and hangups, right? This is what we say yeah. a lot of times as preachers. I'm going to heal those three things. And then I expect for you to walk. What he did was, is he allowed you to start taking baby steps, start crawling, taking baby steps, start the path, start the journey, yeah. start the process. And the things, because you never stopped walking, you never stopped journeying. Sometimes it was a run. Sometimes it was a walk. Sometimes you were just stopping to take a deep breath, but you weren't getting off the path, right? Mm -hmm. The healing of major different things were happening seven years down the road. Right. And it was the journey that was part of the process of God's hand touching not just your heart and your mind, but your actual life and those that were around you and surrounding mm -hmm. you. And mm -hmm. I just, I want to encourage those that are listening today as we, as we finish up this, this first part and, and before we dive into the church and how the church can play a big role in healing and, 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 and helping people work through their wounds or their hurts, habits, and hangups. And mm -hmm. I promise you, Pastor Andrew's got a lot to say about this as well. And we're going to dive into some statistics, stuff like that moving forward. But it was important for you to hear that this is a man, just like anybody else I have on here, that has earned his stripes per per se, that has walked it out, that has battles along the way, that it's never been perfect. It's never been, it's never been exactly how he saw it or exactly how he wanted it. But through obedience, the journey plays a role in healing us to a place that we can reach our purpose and destiny created by God. Wow, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was amazing. That testimony is absolutely out of this world. That's kind of what a testimony is, y'all. It's where God takes us from the natural to the supernatural. He takes us from the flesh to those that are now called his own children. And I can't wait for the next week or two. And I say week or two because I don't know if I'm going to turn this conversation into one or two more parts, but we'll do what we need to do with this. I can't wait and I want you to listen further and understand he's going to be taking his personal testimony that you just heard today and relating it to being a pastor and how the church can flip the perception that the church is where people go to get hurt to how the church can become the place of healing. And remember, in a world of groupthink, 
You can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you can't silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends. Thank you.